Good morning. It's great to see you guys this morning. So, as John said, we are uh, starting a new series next week, Designated Driver. It's going to be really cool to figure out where are we going, what's driving each of us individually, what's driving us as a church, and how do we all fit into that. So today we are uh, tying a bow on our Simplify series, where we're trying to figure out, in the midst of such a crazy city and the crazy lives and the complex lives that we live, how do we find simplicity in the midst of all the madness? And uh, I just want to give you guys a heads up to something that's going to be happening at the end of the service. So uh, I'm going to be finishing my talk about five minutes early so that uh, you guys have a chance to all participate in communion here at Grace. We're going to be celebrating communion. Communion is open to everyone. You can read more about that uh, in your bulletin, I believe. And um, so that's going to be happening at the end of the service, and I hope that you'll stick around uh, to take part in that. So a few months ago, uh, Becky and I, my wife Becky and I, decided to, um, to paint our bathroom. It was our, it's our guest bathroom, and it's like the, one of the few rooms in our house that hadn't had any sort of updating or any upgrading, no paint, no nothing since we moved in about seven years ago. And what was driving this decision to paint our guest uh, bathroom was that Becky had some of her college housemates coming in town, and they were all going to be staying at our house and using that bathroom. And so we said, okay, we need to like renovate and remodel. How can we update this thing? And we looked at our budget, which was like $25. And so we said, this is perfect. We can get a can of paint and a roller, and, and uh, we'll be ready to roll. So that's exactly what we did. And um, so I went to the store. We picked out the exact shade that we wanted for the bathroom. And I had all my supplies, and I started prepping the bathroom. Because I'm the paint guy. Okay, my wife, she can't paint worth a lick. And so I'm the guy who does all the painting in our house. So I get the bathroom pretty much prepped. Like I, I got some of the holes spackled in and sanded. And I had taped about maybe three-quarters of the bathroom. There was still some, some taping to be done to get it all ready. I was maybe... 30 minutes away from actually having this sucker ready to paint. There was still a whole bunch of stuff everywhere. I hadn't pulled all that out yet. And it's uh, early one afternoon, and then I, I get called into work. And so I had to take care of some things at work. So I had all my supplies all in the bathroom ready to go. Now, this is the bathroom that my kids use. Okay, so I have three kids, eight, six, and at the time, my four-year-old was three. And so I, I head out, and I said, you know, I'm going get, to get to this later. Well, the kids see all the stuff, and they just get real. Now, I'm gone at this point, but this is what's going on while I'm out. They see all the stuff, and they're all excited, and they start talking to their mom. And my wife, who has zero painting skills whatsoever, zero painting experience whatsoever, decides, well, it is getting pretty close. Like, my friends are coming in, in just a couple of days. We really need to get this done. So she decides that it would be a really good idea for the four of them to go ahead and take on the painting project in my bathroom. And I emphasize my bathroom. Um, so I'm out. Not, I have no awareness that this is, this is going on. So I come back in, and it's just after my kid's normal bedtime. So I'm expecting quiet house, everything calm, walking in. You know, Then I'm going to start tackling the rest of the painting project. So I walk in, and I can hear my kids... And 
They say, oh, dad's home, dad's home, dad's home. And they go, hey, dad, dad, close your eyes, close your eyes. We have a surprise for you. And I'm thinking, no, 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 this, this, this is not, this could not be happening. I'm sure that that surprise isn't what I'm thinking. So, okay, so they take my hands, you know, lead me up the stairs. I got my eyes closed, you know, and they're walking me right towards the guest bathroom of the house. So as I start to get close to the bathroom, I can smell that new paint smell. And I know at this point with my eyes closed that we have a major problem. Okay, I don't even have to see. I just know this is not going to go well. So they lead me into the bathroom. And they say, okay, Dad, open your eyes. You know, they're so excited. Open your eyes, Dad. I open my eyes. Now, we painted our bathroom gray. That was the color we chose. If we had picked the color red, my bathroom would have looked like a crime scene. (laughs) I'm not kidding. There was paint everywhere. I mean, there was paint dripping. Like every time they painted around something with a brush, there were drips going down the walls. There was paint on the vanity. There was paint in the sink. There was paint in the bathtub. There was paint that flowed over all my nice little blue painter's tape, went right down. I guess they thought that was going to catch everything. It went right over the paint, onto the trim, okay? I have like 1960 original bathroom tile floor. It's, the tiles are like this big, you know what I'm saying? So there's grout. The whole floor is just basically grout, okay? There's paint all over the floor, all in the grout, okay? It's just everywhere. The mirror, I mean everywhere. So then I'm just looking. My eyes are just so wide. I'm speechless. I'm totally speechless. There's paint in the shower. I mean, it's, it's just totally crazy. There's even paint on the ceiling. Ceiling! Which could only have been my wife. She's the only one who could reach up that high, okay? <laughs> I turn around, and I'm not kidding you. There are the faint little footprints of my three-year-old. Paint down the hall of my hardwood floor. And yes, the best part is, this paint was dry at this point. So they're still looking at me, you know? What do you think, Dad? (laughs) What do I think? And I looked at my three wonderful, sweet, cute little children, and I just said, that's... That's great. Wow, you guys did a lot of work here. But guys, did you ever, you know, were you, were you going to clean up a little? And they're like, oh, we did. We took a shower in your bathroom. We, we cleaned up. Can't you tell? We showered and we're clean. I'm like, oh, forget it. Never mind. It's cool. Um. I'm like, just go to bed. Just, it's cool. You, we can help you clean that. No, 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 no. Just please, just go. Just get out of here. At which point I turn and my focus goes from my children to my wife. Now, my wife is one of those who I just, I, I don't have that many recollections of her apologizing to me. Like, I just, it doesn't happen that often in our house. Her explanation is that, well, of course it doesn't happen that often. There aren't that many instances where it would ever need to happen. Okay. But in that moment, when my eyes met hers, she just kind of instantly, like, looks down. Like, and um, she just goes, I'm sorry. <laughs> she 
knew, didn't she? She knew the right thing to do in that situation, okay? I'm talking about before we, we even got started. She knew the way that, that that bathroom should get painted. She knew what was the wise move. But instead, in the excitement of the moment and wanting to make sure that bathroom got painted for her friends coming in town just a couple days later, she opted for the workaround. She went for the workaround and man, was it a mess, let me tell you. Twice the amount of time it would have taken me to paint that bathroom was how much time I spent with some paint thinner on my hands and knees in that bathroom. It was a total mess, all because of a workaround. All right, so today we are going to take a look at the master of the workaround. This guy was the master of the workaround. His name was Abraham. And if you have a Bible, you want to turn to it. We're going all the way back. Even if you can't find anything in your Bible, you don't know which book or chapters where, um, you're going to go all the way to the beginning. Genesis, very easy to find. Genesis, first book of the Bible. And we are going to be looking at Genesis chapter 12, where we are introduced to a man named Abram and his wife Sarai. And God later renames them Abraham and Sarah. Now, Abraham, some of you might have heard, oh, is that like Father Abraham? Remember singing some song in Sunday school about Father Abraham have many sons or something like that? Yeah, this is the Abraham. And the reason he's called Father Abraham is because he is known as the father of the Jewish nation, the nation of Israel. So it all stems from Abraham and Sarah and all their descendants become the nation of Israel. So This is the story in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. This is where we're actually introduced to Abraham, known as Abram, for the very first time. And it says this, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, referring eventually to the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, and I will bless you. So, What we know about Abraham is Abraham was a great man and he had tremendous faith. And so God said, go, go to this land, leave everything behind. I'm going to show you all you need to know. And, And Abraham trusted God. He believed in God. And so he just went, man of incredible faith. But we find out about Abraham is he trusted God, but only to a point because When things got really difficult, Abraham decided that some workarounds were in order. We see just a few verses later. So God has said, go, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. You're going to become this great nation. Okay, we don't have anything to worry about, Abraham. So here we go, verse 11 of chapter 12. So it says, as he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, later Sarah, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they'll say, this is his wife. Then they'll kill me, but they'll let you live. They were going to kill him and and take his wife into the harem to serve the king. So he says to his wife, say that you're my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. So Abraham's like, I know God sent us here and said that he's going to bless us and all this stuff, but this is crazy. I mean, I can't see how God's possibly going to make a way, right? So I'm just going to go ahead and open up that can of paint myself. Let's get get going. Let's issue our workaround 
on this situation. And man, it leads to a total mess. And Abraham actually does the same move again we see later in the Genesis story. Two times he pulls this move because he just he trusts God, but only to a point. But where I really want to focus in today is uh, Genesis chapter 16. So it's a few chapters later, and um, we're going to start in verse 1 with this dialogue. You're going to see just how messy this whole thing gets. It says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. And here's basically the crux of the issue. Okay, so Abraham and Sarah are supposed to become this great nation, and they're going to have so many descendants and offspring, you can't even count them like the stars in the sky, God says. But the problem is they can't have kids. I mean, they, they're just not able to have kids, and now they're well beyond childbearing years. And so it says they don't have any kids. But Sarai had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go and sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Now, I love what it says next. This is Abram agreed. It doesn't say Abraham said, whoa, you know, I don't know. That, that, that could be getting us into some issues or, or, or problems or whatever. Hey, you know, Abram said, Let, can we talk about this? Let's, you know, let's really think about how this might change the dynamics in our house or whatever. No, it just says, Abram agreed. Just classic guy. You want me to sleep with something? Sure, that's fine. Happy to do it. No problem, honey. Whatever I can do to serve you, it'd be my great privilege. Will that make you happy? Well, it's going to be tough, but I'll do it. So Abram agreed. It said, so after Abram had been living in Canaan for 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, check this part out, okay? When, When Hagar knew she was pregnant, it says she began to despise her mistress. What had happened? Well, she was just the slave in the house, and now all of a sudden, she's carrying Abraham's child. And so now she knows she's got leverage, doesn't she? She knows that if Sarah says something and she doesn't want to do it, maybe she's not going to do it anymore. Her whole attitude shifts, and there's this tremendous tension that begins in their household. Literally, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, so now she turns to her husband and she says, you are responsible for the wrong that I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms and now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. Guys, don't you love this? It's always our fault. You you notice that? I'm not going to get into whose idea this was, okay? I, I just love the language. She goes... You are responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. I put my slave, let's forget about that. I put my slave in your arms. And now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Sarah is fired up. She is ticked off. And so Abraham says, okay, Sarah, fine. You know, whatever. Whatever you want to do, probably said this was your idea, but I don't know if you said that or not, but you know, whatever you want to do, however you want to handle it. And so Sarah starts mistreating Hagar badly to the point where Hagar actually pregnant just takes off. Okay, just out in the Middle East, just takes off. 
She just she can't handle it anymore. Okay, that's how bad things got. She actually runs away. And eventually, she comes back after kind of processing and, and talking to God about it. And Hagar eventually comes back. But you can imagine how bad. You can imagine the drama, the tension, the stress in that house. I mean, if I, I'm trying to give you a modern-day equivalent of just of what this scene might have looked like. like so maybe we can roll that, that clip. Can we roll that, David? I don't know if you guys are fans of Jerry Springer or Maury Povich or one of those, but um, I'm convinced that if those shows had been around a few thousand years ago, that um, Abraham and Sarah and Hagar might have been on one of those shows. Man, it was a total mess. It was absolutely awful. But here's the mind-blowing part. Okay, here's the, here's the craziest part of this whole thing. So if you keep reading on, of what happened in Abraham's life, okay? 14 years later, Abraham and Sarah finally have a child, as God has promised. They finally have the child through Sarah, not through Hagar now, but through Sarah. 14 years later. And it says that as the child was weaned, so we're probably like another year or so or two or whatever on, that at that point, they were like having this little ceremony for Isaac was this boy's name. And Sarah notices that Hagar's son, who's now a teenager, is like kind of teasing or, you know, doing something. And check out what she says. Okay, this just shows you how tense this, this thing is 15 years into this. It says, but Sarah saw, this is Genesis 21, verses 9 and 10. But Sarah saw that the son, his name was Ishmael, whom Hagar the Egyptian had born to Abraham, was mocking. And she said to Abraham, get rid of that slave woman and her son. For that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son, Isaac. Can you believe this? For 15 years, this drama, this tension, this mess has been going on under one roof and the whole reason why it's because even though sarah and abraham knew that god was going to bless them with a child and they were going to have descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky they opted for the workaround because god's timing wasn't their timing they didn't see how god could possibly work this out and so they decided they were going to help God out a little bit. And all the mess ensued from there. Have you been there yourself at a certain point in your life? Where there was a problem that you were facing or there was something that you really wanted and you kind of went through this mental exercise where you're like, okay, God, I know you love me and I know you want the best for me and I know you know how important this thing is to me. But God, it seems like you're not coming through on this one. It seems like your way of handling this situation or this relationship or whatever it is, I know that this isn't necessarily the way that Jesus, you would handle it. Okay, I don't know where you are and all this, God, but I know you really want this for me. You want the best for me. So God, we're just going to go ahead and go with my plan here. It's not perfect. It's probably not even something that you would sign off on. But God, I know you want this for me. I'm just going to kind of help you out a little bit. You know, we're just, I'm just going to help you help me kind of a deal. 
We've all been there, haven't we? And when we opt for the workaround, we end up with a mess. We end up with a mess on our hands with paint all over the place. You know why we opt for the workaround? I mean, there's a whole multitude of reasons on the surface why we opt for the workaround. But you know what the deeper reason is why we opt for the workaround in our lives? It's because subconsciously, a lot of times we're not even aware that we're thinking this way, but subconsciously, somewhere deep down, what's going on in our minds is we ultimately don't believe that God is going to come through. Whatever that problem is that we're facing, whatever that issue is that we're struggling with, subconsciously, we don't really believe that God's going to do anything about it. Or, subconsciously, we don't believe that handling that thing God's way, the way that God lays it out for us, we don't think that that's ultimately going to get the result that we want. And so what we do instead is we say, God, you know what? I'm just going to help you out. I'm going to, you know, here's plan B. We're going to work around this situation. And it doesn't lead us anywhere good. What this really boils down to, it's a trust issue. It's a trust issue. We trust God to a point when it gets a little too crazy, a little too difficult, and it's gone on too long, and we're out of patience, and we're just, we're, we can't take it anymore, we ultimately, we, we only trust God so far. And that's exactly, that's exactly where Abraham was. That was exactly Abraham's issue. He had a trust issue with God. He trusted God, but only to a point. But here's what God did in Abraham's life. And I think it's really interesting. And I think it speaks to our situations too. God kept putting him in situations that would test him that would push him in terms of how far are you, how, how much are you going to trust me? To see if he could get Abraham to a place where he would completely trust in him. And over and over we say Abraham, and he's working around, he's working around, he's working around the issue. He's helping God out. He's doing it his way. And then finally, we see in Genesis chapter 22, Something has changed. Something is different. Now, the major thing that is different at this point in the story is that Abraham now has his son through his wife, Sarah. They've had their son, Isaac. So this is an absolutely miraculous birth. It's, it's, it's clear to everyone that, that God has moved in an unbelievable way. And so God says, okay, Abraham, I'm going to put you in one more situation here. I want you to fully trust me. He says, that son, that miraculous birth, that son that I've given you, and this is one of the craziest stories in all the Bible. For me, it is the hardest story in the entire Bible. God says to Abraham, that son, that miraculous son that I gave you, I want you to turn around and I want you to offer him back to me. I want you to sacrifice him. I want you to sacrifice your son to me as an offering to me. He puts Abraham in this tremendously difficult situation. And unbelievably, Abraham says, okay, 
God, it is so clear that you have moved, that you're God. I don't understand. I can't possibly comprehend. But I'm at a point where I just have to fully trust you even if I don't get it. And Abraham says, I'm willing to do it. Now, God doesn't make him give up his son. But now God speaks to Abraham, addressing Abraham's agreement to sacrifice his son. Look what it says in Genesis 22, 16 through 18. God says, I swear by myself, declares the Lord. Now, that's, that's kind of, I guess when you're God, you can't say like, I swear to God. That doesn't really work, right? So, you know, I guess that's how you say it if you're God, if, just in case you ever think you're God or something, you know, whatever, one day. Um, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this, because you have fully trusted and fully obeyed me, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. God says to Abraham, he's saying, finally, finally, you get it, Abraham. You finally, completely trust me with your whole life. Finally, now I can do the work that I need to do in your life. Now I can take you and make you into a great nation because you fully trust me and you will fully rely on me and you will fully follow me and you will fully submit to me. Finally, God brings Abraham to a place of complete trust in God and in God's ways even when he doesn't understand. This is exactly what God wants to do in each of our lives. He wants us to bring us to a place where we fully and completely trust in him. When we have those situations in our lives where we just can't see how God is going to make a way through it, it doesn't show to see that God's at, at all involved. We, don't, we can't see how in the world this is going to resolve itself. Or if we're going to resolve it in a way that, that God would want us to, with integrity and doing the kind of things that God would want us to do, we just can't see yeah, how this thing is going to go well. God wants to bring us to a place where we would just fully trust and follow him and we wouldn't opt for the workaround we would fully trust in him. You know how much better your life is when you fully trust in God? When you don't opt for those workarounds? You know how much simpler and cleaner it is and how much less energy and time you spend plotting and scheming and trying to figure out how am I going to do this in the right way with the least amount of consequences and how can I keep my story straight and how's this all going to work? You know, it's so much better when we just say, God, I'm entrusting this deal to you. I'm just going to follow. I'm just going to obey you. And I'm going to leave the consequences to you. The reason that uh, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 is so incredibly popular. And I think you can see the, the verse behind us. The reason that this verse is one of the most popular verses in the entire Bible is because of what trusting fully in God does for us. It is so beneficial. It simplifies. It clarifies. 
It is the most unbelievable thing that you can do. Look at what it says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In those situations where you don't understand how God's going to make a way, where you don't understand how God's ways are going to see you through to the result that you want. In all your ways, submit to him. Trust him fully. And he will make your paths straight. How many of us want our paths to be straight? We have to trust that the God who made us, the God who ordered this universe, the God who lays out what is best for us knows better than we do. And when we fully trust in him, it's so much better. It's so much better. God wants to bring us to a place where when we run into a problem or a situation or that thing where we just don't see how this thing is going to resolve you know, with, with God's help or in a godly manner, that God would say, I want you guys to avoid the workaround. I want you to go straight at this thing my way. Now, to me, the coolest thing about that is when we do that, what happens? I don't know if you guys heard of, um, there's a story two summers ago of two boys named um, Nate and Nick Smith. Nate and Nick Smith. They um, were 11-year-old twins. I think we've got a picture of them up on the screen with their dad, Pat. Uh, so these two boys, 11 years old, were up in Minnesota, big hockey players, and they were at a, um, like a celebrity hockey fundraiser charity event type thing. And they were doing this, there was this big raffle going on at this event. And the winner of the raffle, uh, whoever's name got picked out of the hat, was going to get a chance to shoot a hockey puck 90 feet across the ice. Now, a hockey puck is about three inches wide, okay? They were going to get to shoot a hockey puck 90 feet all the way from one end of the ice to the other. And they had put a piece of plywood over a goal, and they had cut a three and a half inch hole in the plywood at the bottom. So the odds of this are, like, ridiculous. I mean, the, 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 the kid was actually like, I was just trying to hit the plywood. I just didn't want to embarrass myself, okay? So anyway, they pull the name out of the hat. And the name that comes out of the hat is Nick Smith. Now, Nick actually, at this little fundraiser during this local hockey rink, Nick was actually outside of the, of the rink playing with some buddies. Out, like, he, they couldn't find him. And so... His dad, not thinking anything about it, is like, well, shoot, let's just have Nate, let's just have Nate take the shot. Because what difference does it make? They're twins, they're brothers, you know, he's not going to make the shot anyway, right? So let's just have Nate take the shot. So Nate gets up there, and I don't, I don't have the, the video for you, but Nate gets up there, and, and he lines up, he shoots this puck across, you can find it on YouTube or whatever, um, and he actually makes the shot. He gets it through this three and a half inch little hole in the plywood. And I mean, it's, it's wild. I see one of somebody's pulling, trying to pull it up right now on their phone. That's brilliant. Um, <laughs> more power to you. I like it. Um, so anyway, he makes the shot and man, woo, it's, it's so cool, you know, and, and, uh, and the, the company's like, oh, that's awesome. Okay. They get the address and they're like, cool. We're, we're going to send you this $50,000, you know, it'll be in the mail in a week or so. And so they go home that night. And uh, they're all excited. Well, they get up the next day, and um, the mom and dad 
they had been talking and they just didn't feel right that this, that, that this was a good thing because it wasn't actually Nick that took the shot. It was Nate, and Nate's name wasn't on the ticket. And so they decided they were going to go and they were going to tell their boys that, that, that this wasn't something they needed to do. They needed to be truthful. So they go into the boys' room, and the boys actually, as the parents started to talk about it, the boys said, we actually didn't feel right about it either. And we, we wanted to <laughs> turn the volume down though, on that video if you could. All right, beautiful. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, so they all agreed. We need to be honest, and we need to do the right thing here. We need to tell the truth. So they called up the promotion company, and they said to the company, they said, you know, sorry, you know, it was a big mistake and misunderstanding. It actually wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't Nick who took the shot. It was Nate, and we just want to level with you and be honest. And they said, are you sure you want to tell us this? Because, you know, it's probably going to cost the 50 grand because it wasn't actually his name on the ticket. And they said, yeah, you know, yeah. Now, they did this, and they didn't get the $50,000. They didn't get it. And they had many people who were telling them, why in the world did you do that? I mean, they're identical twins, you know? Just take the check. I mean, this is an easy workaround. Like, why didn't you just opt for the workaround? That would have been so easy. This is like a rural farmer up in Minnesota with five kids. One of them in college and four more on the way. You think they could have used that 50 grand? Oh, yeah. They could have used that 50 grand. But if they would have opted for the workaround... And this, this is the point of the story. They never would have had the chance to see what would happen next. And what happened next is pretty cool. I don't know that it's 50 grand cool, but it's still pretty cool nonetheless. So the promotion company decided that what they wanted to do was they wanted to take $20,000 and they wanted to give $20,000 to the two local hockey associations where those boys were. So like all new equipment, all new stuff, like just soup it up for them. Let's bless them in a big time way. A school found out about what the boys did and a school uh, actually sponsored them to go to this unbelievably cool three-week premier hockey camp like we're like if, if you were on a fast track to the nhl you were a kid you know super talented they sent them to that hockey camp for three weeks totally for free the minnesota vikings heard about what these boys did and they say we want to bring the whole family out put them in the vip box for a game during the regular season we're going to bring them on the field and honor them the minnesota wild the professional hockey team in minnesota heard about this and i think this is just so cool the Minnesota Wild, they said, okay, cool, we're gonna have them, we'll have them to a hockey game, and we're going to do something at intermission. We're going to bring out, and instead of like a three-and-a-half-inch gap, we're going to make it like 12 inches. We're going to do a whole, we're going to do like a whole foot of this opening, and then instead of 89 feet away, you're going to be five feet away. Five feet away. And this time, we want Nick to take the shot, since Nick didn't get to take the shot last time. Okay. And so Nick takes a shot, and he makes it. And you know what they got those boys? A brand new ATV. Those ones alter, all-terrain vehicles, right? Because they're up there in, on the farm. And so man, all this stuff happened. But here to me, okay, all those things are cool. But the coolest thing to me is that this story went viral. That's the coolest thing to me. And these boys got to be on. I mean, you, this is a clip from some early 
show or something. They got to go on multiple networks. They were broadcast widely all over YouTube, and they got to tell their story and inspire a whole bunch of people to do the right thing. Now, I don't know. I I read a ton of stuff. I watched all these videos. I mean, I was all over this thing. I was searching. I was trying to figure out, was this a Christian family? You know, are they like, oh, glory to God, and we believe God did this? I couldn't find anything like that in there. I, I have no idea, okay, whether they believed in God or not. But I'll tell you this. Regardless of whether they believed in God or not, I believe that God blessed them for what they did. And here is the takeaway that I want to encourage each of you here with. When you decide you're not going with the workaround, when you're willing to say, I don't see how this is going to work out, but God, I'm going to trust your timing and for you to move. Or God, I don't know how this is going to end well if I actually do the kind of things that you tell me to do. If I'm straight up and I act with integrity and I'm, you know, I'm honest and I make the right move, I don't see how this thing is possibly going to end well. If you say, God, I'm trusting you and I'm not trusting the workaround. If you do that, you know what you do? You give God room to move. You give God room to move. Listen, that's what we long for, isn't it? Isn't that what we crave? All of us in this room, aren't we looking for some sort of an experience with God? A touch from the Almighty? Some sort of revelation? Some sort of epiphany? Some sort of enlightenment? We are all craving an encounter with God. But when we keep opting for the workaround, guess what? We're not giving God any opportunity to move. God's like, okay, I guess you're handling it. (laughs) Just getting ready to do something really cool. I mean, if you would have just told the truth, guess what I was about to do? But I guess you're going your way. Go ahead and paint that bathroom. Have a great time doing it. Enjoy the cleanup. And we miss out on what God wanted to do. We all trust God to a point. When it gets hard, that's when we know how much we trust. How much do you trust God? Are you willing to forego the workaround? So I told you uh, we were going to finish five minutes early, six minutes early, and um, we're going to celebrate communion this morning. If you're involved with communion, please go grab the elements and uh, take your places So communion here at Grace is open to everybody. And the reason we celebrate communion, if you're here and you're like, what is communion or why do we celebrate it? The reason we celebrate communion is to commemorate Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. That he died on the cross as a sacrifice, as a payment for our sins, so that we, through him, could be declared righteous in the eyes of God. We're totally forgiven, not through what we've done, but what Jesus has done for us. And so Jesus died and was resurrected to give us eternal life, to give us forgiveness, and to give us hope. But I just want to tell you something here this morning. Jesus died to give us so many good things. There are some of us in this room right now, and the thing that we need Jesus to give us is more faith. More faith to be able to trust in 
him and his plans and in his ways so that we don't have to keep opting for the workaround every time something gets tough. So as we close this uh, sermon and we move into our communion time, as we end this service, I just want to encourage you. If you're here this morning and you have something that you need from God, and I'm not talking about like a, you know, a lottery ticket that's going to win you know, $35 million. But you have a need and you know it's one of those needs that God honors. I just want to encourage you, as you're coming down and as you're remembering what Christ died to give to you, ask him. Ask him for whatever it is you need. Bring it forward. I believe God will give us more faith to trust in him. That's one of those prayers that God honors. And he gives us opportunities to put that in action right away. Okay, let's pray, and then we're going to take communion. God, um, we thank you for um, what you teach us through these stories that have been preserved in the Bible. God, we know that there are times in our lives when we've opted for the workaround, and it has not gone well. Lord, we need more faith to be able to trust you when things are really tough. Many of us there, we are in the midst of something that's going on right now. And it's so tempting to work around it. Help us to trust you enough that you'll move or that if we move in the way you want us to, that you'll deliver us and you'll see us through. God, as we celebrate this time of communion, we thank you for what you gave. You gave your life. We're asking for you to give to all those who need it this morning. Lord, if there are those after they've taken communion who just need extra prayer, I pray you direct them right over to our prayer team on our wall on the right-hand side. And um, Lord, that you would give us more faith so we could trust you, so you would make our path straight and bless us and simplify our lives. In Christ's name, amen. As you feel led, please come forward and, uh, and take communion with us.